A lot of people frame career decisions around, should I take this offer or not? Or should I quit this job and go get another? In this episode, we'll challenge you to do what the happy high achievers do, which is to move beyond those questions and instead design your career around your signature strengths. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 424. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. Leaders are, of course, thinking about careers often. We are thinking about the careers of the people that we have the privilege to influence and mentor and coach. And of course, we're thinking about our own careers as well. And one of the uh, big hopes I have for everyone in our listening community is that we would align our career as much as we possibly can with our strengths. Today's guest is returning to the show, a friend and a partner who is just brilliant at helping people to find the careers that work for them and to help align those careers to their strengths. I'm glad to welcome back Scott Anthony Barlow. He is the founder of Happen to Your Career. He's been featured on CNBC, Yahoo, Career Builder, Fast Company, and the Huffington Post, and various colleges and universities as a top expert on career happiness. Scott has held roles in executive management in human resources, business development, and career coaching. He is the host of the Happen to Your Career podcast, featuring the career stories of many successful professionals. Scott and his team have worked with over 25,000 people to help them stop settling, find their signature strengths, and start doing meaningful work that they're enamored with. And Scott has been a longtime partner of Coaching for Leaders, and many people in our community, Scott, have uh, utilized your resources. Thank you so much for all you've done to support folks in the past. We're really grateful for it. Yeah, thank you again for bringing me back on. I have always enjoyed our conversations. I know I've told you that in the past, but I have, I've been looking forward to this all day long. And yeah, we've had the pleasure of meeting many people in the Coaching for Leaders community. And that is, that's been a lot of fun. We've met some really great folks and had the pleasure of, of helping out quite a few too. So yeah. Yeah, the feeling's mutual. And it, this is one of my favorite topics because I've seen what a difference it can make for people. I've certainly seen the difference it's made in my own career. I know that you have a similar journey as well along with that, Scott. And fitting in strengths is its such a good way to look at career happiness, not only for ourselves, but for others. One thing I know you say a lot in your work is that happy high achievers design their careers and lives around their signature strengths. Tell me more about what you mean by those terms, signature strengths, and a happy high achiever. Yeah. Well, so here's one of the things as I was, again, you know, way back long before we, before I founded my company, Happened to Your Career, and way back before I really was enamored with my own career, I was just trying to figure this out for myself. So there was just really starting to be good data available. And one of the things that it recognized uh, within some of that data, and it varies from study to study, but in some cases, you know, as high as about 20, 25, 26% 
as low as 13% of people in the United States in particular are enamored with their careers. Like they're mm. a lot of times they don't use the word enamored, but instead use words like highly engaged and deeply satisfied and all of those other things. But yeah. they're, they're loving what they get the opportunity to do on a daily basis. And that's way too small of a number. And as I started realizing that, and then also began putting that together with other types of data, like, you know, only less than 8% of the, the US, for example, makes over six figures. And you know that may or may not sound high. It's actually closer to 2% if you look at the equivalent in the rest of the world. You start putting these numbers together and thinking, oh my goodness, we've only got 13% in this one area and then less than 8% in this other area. And combining that and saying, okay, you know, people are doing work that they, they love and uh, people are earning a great living at it. And it's actually far, far less than either of those numbers once you start combining it together. So I started looking at that and you know, many people would probably say, oh my goodness, why even try? It's such a small amount. But I was looking at it going, how do I do this? Like, What are these people doing differently than everyone else? in this teeny tiny percentage category where they love what they do and they're getting well paid at it and they're spending a good chunk of their day every day working in their strengths. That's what we call happy high achievers. Uh, And then signature strengths, the easiest way to think about that is almost imagine a Venn diagram with three separate circles and then a section in the middle where they overlap. And in one of those circles... Focus on those areas that you're great at. And then another of those circles focused on those areas that you enjoy. And then in the third circle, focused on those areas in which you add a lot of value, real value that is useful to real people in the world. And the area of overlap is just a way to think about what we mean when we say signature strengths. But I point that out because really need to understand that in order to answer that next question. What actually are strengths? A lot of people do, like you said, I think a lot of people, when we mention strengths, they do think about them as skills. And those might be skills like, hey, I'm, I'm great at building charts in Excel, or you know, I'm a really great swimmer, or I am an amazing graphic designer, whatever it might be, or I'm, you know, everybody's got that that friend that is just amazing at starting conversations with anybody. Yeah. And when we're talking about those, those are skills. Those are what you see. They're visible. They're easy to identify. And if you almost think about an iceberg analogy, then that's the tip of the iceberg. And those are not strengths. The it's easy to get those confused with strengths because that is what we see most often. But really, we're looking at the part that's underneath the water. If you're thinking about that iceberg, that part that's hidden away from view. And so not the skills themselves, but what is underneath the surface that's causing you to be much better at designing charts in Excel in a way that nobody else can do or predisposed to go and have that type of conversation or just start a conversation with anybody and really truly enjoy that. That's what we're talking about when we say strengths, that part that's hidden. Yeah, I'm so curious how 
you help people uncover that distinction? Because I, I think back in my career, I often saw my skills as my strengths for a long time. And then yeah. I think that it's also really easy to have a skills conversation with people who are mentoring or coaching or leading and not get to some of the core, you know, what Gallup calls talents, those real signature strengths. How do you and your team help people to see that difference, kind of uncover what's underneath the surface? So here's, here's, here's a way to think about this. Let me give you a, an example here Sure. for one of the ways that we have worked with people in the past to design a career around this. And I would say that this has a tendency to fall into two different categories usually you know, when you're thinking about designing a career around your strengths. One way that that can happen is you can completely change your situation to a new role or a new company that allows you to spend more time in your strengths. And it's a better fit for the organization and they actually reward you for spending more time on your strengths because that's what they need. And it's a better mutual fit. So changing, literally changing your environment, if you will, can be one way to go about that. But the other way is maybe you are really enjoying the company or organization or situation that you have, and you can actually design your career from the inside. You know, maybe even some things are misaligned with your strengths. So you know, one example that's, that c- pops into my mind here, this was somebody we worked with that happened to your career, uh, I'd say probably four or five years ago. And his name was Rushi. Now, Rushi works for a consulting company that you've absolutely heard the name of. And Rushi had progressed up the ladder pretty quickly in, in his career. And he'd, he'd done a great job, was looked at as a high performer and all kinds of things. But he was actually considering changing, changing roles because he felt like some things were misaligned or changing companies, I guess I should say, uh, because he felt like some things were misaligned. And as we started to work with Rushi and started to really understand him and what he wanted and what he needed and his strengths, there was a couple things that we found. First of all, as we got to know him, we learned that Rushi, if you were to talk to some of his friends or family, part of the way that they would describe him is Rushi's kind of obsessive compulsive. He has to be organized. Or they'd say things like, you know, Rushi really likes things the way that he likes them. And they would kind of pass it off as a joke. And this is what Rushi had grown up with mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And actually, here's another example of that. I was talking to him at one point where he had just come off of work and was trying to finish up some project. And he told me, uh, he, was, he was actually traveling for work, so he was in a hotel room. He told me that you know I couldn't actually start working on my project until I rearranged the picture because it was out of order and <laughs> I adjusted the lamp. Because it was not in the right place. So this is, this is what we're talking about. Now, the crazy thing here is that he'd grown up with that. It had become this joke in a lot of different ways, a negative. But as we started to get to know him and understand his strengths, we realized that actually this negative was just the flip side of much of what he could not stop doing, which fell into the realm of his signature strengths. He is organized and thinks about thinks about how things get organized in ways that probably you or I can't even imagine or comprehend. He's just his the way he's wired and how he's been brought up and all of those things play into this. And it it shows up on both sides. It's just two sides of the exact same coin. So he 
conventionally had been looking at this negative side, which by the way, we often will call the shadow side of your strengths or the anti-strengths side of it as an absolute negative and considered it a really kind of not so great thing. And the other side of it, when you start to look at why Rushi had progressed up the ladder really quickly in his organization and why he'd had such great feedback was because everybody wanted to be on Rushi's projects and Rushi's teams because they knew that when they were on Rushi's projects and teams, it was going to go incredibly well because Rushi was so incredibly organized. He'd do so much planning up front and uh, all, all the pieces that went along with that. Yeah. So inevitably, they would go incredibly well. And people learned this throughout the organization. So it was no surprise that it made him successful. Okay. So the reason I described that situation to you though is because once he began to understand that these were the exact same thing showing up in two different ways, that gave him a lot of power to begin designing his life in a way that he wanted to. What he realized is that actually he had most of what he wanted inside this organization. He thought he was going to need to leave in order to do something different because there were pieces of the role that just really weren't allowing him to use a lot of his, his strengths, even though some of it was getting utilized and was causing him to be successful. So we helped him actually go and have a conversation with his boss at the time. And I think his boss's boss too, if I remember correctly. And then it helped him structure that conversation saying, Something along the lines of, hey, you know what? I have really enjoyed a lot of the aspects of what I have been able to do here and how I've been able to contribute. And I've noticed that I'm most successful when I get to spend more of my time in these areas. Here are some of the ways that I think I could contribute even differently. And I want your advice on how over the next three to six months, I can shift more of my role into these areas because this is something I'm enjoying the most. This is where I want to get more development. This is a way that I'm probably going to be able to bring bring much, much better results to the organization. And unsurprisingly, they were pretty excited about that. So he ended up actually shifting roles completely and they kind of customized, smashed together an unconventional set of roles in order to work with that for him. So he ended up getting to, in some ways, design his own next step and design his own next job, which as you can imagine, was a much, much better fit. But there were several of those pieces that had to be in place. He had to know and understand at a very, very deep level what his strengths were and the application of them. And then once he knew that and understand how that related to his day-to-day success, then that's really where he could start doing some of that design. And in his case, part of that design was done through conversations with his his boss and other people that had a vested interest so that he could begin molding it over the next three to six months. I was thinking about that experience with Rushi and my first year working at Dale Carnegie, I was so bad, Scott, from a results standpoint that I basically <laughs> I basically handed my resignation to my boss after the first year. And yeah. he Surprisingly to me, I was already looking for other jobs. Surprisingly to me, he said, well, how would we restructure your job to play to your strengths better? And I remember sitting there in his office, having that conversation and just sort of being dumbfounded. Like It didn't even occur to me to have gone to him and have that conversation. It does now because I've now had it and I was forced into it in a good way. But I, I also 
like I still can sense that fear I had, even when someone else was bringing that up. And my sense is, is that's true for a lot of people, that not only maybe they haven't thought about having that kind of a conversation, but if they have thought about it, there's a lot of fear of like, well, if I did have a conversation with my boss or with our executive leadership team about changing my role and playing more to my strengths, what would they say? How would they react? How do you encourage people to lean into that? Hmm. You know, I was thinking about your situation. I actually had a really similar situation too. And this was, I think this might've been my first professional job outside of college and university. And in my case, I initiated the conversation with my boss and I did a very, very poor job of that. I essentially (laughs) went and hopefully somebody else can learn from this. I would not have the same type of conversation in the same way today. However, I basically went to him and said, hey, I know something's wrong because it was a terrible fit. I was getting very poor results too. And I told him, hey, I think I made a mistake in accepting the role in this particular way. And I really, I'm not sure what I need to do about this, but I really want to do something about it. And my boss agreed with me uh, more so than what I realized apparently. And three weeks later, he fired me. So, oh no. <laughs> so I, I think the moral of the story there is two things. One, it matters a whole lot about how you have the conversation. And I think that that's something that's really important. And if you don't feel comfortable initiating that conversation yourself, I would definitely look to uh, engage a engage a coach, like a you know performance coach or you know, a career coach or otherwise, and allowing them to help you work through that and structuring the conversation. But the other thing I think that's maybe even more important is that if you're upfront and honest and continually having ongoing conversation with with your with your boss it's going to create a better situation i basically dropped a bomb on my boss after a year saying hey i don't think this is this is a great fit and that came as a, a surprise to him except for he could see the results that's not a great way to go about it but if i would have been having ongoing conversation we could have diagnosed this together as a partnership even earlier and then we may have been able to do something different but the other thing to note here too is it's a lot easier to have that type of conversation if you're already doing well in the role to some Uh, degree. So Rushi had a lot of trust and credibility with his bosses because he was, in their minds, already doing very, very well. You know, his, um, I forget what it was at the time, like senior director or something that he reported to. He, He already had a very good relationship and, you know, the results were already there. And when you have that, it's easier to get exceptions made for you versus if you're like me going to my boss like, and asking for an exception or asking for something else and you're like, hey, so I don't think this is right. What do we do? Then, then first of all, I'm not showing very great ownership over my career and no boss really wants to have that conversation. And then at the same time, it is... It's it's hard to when you're on the verge of getting fired, have those exceptions made for you. That that conversation just doesn't go very well. Yeah, so, no, it, yeah. that's huge, and I really appreciate that distinction because I, in my case, my my results weren't great, but there were a lot of other factors that made me assume that the relationship should continue to even if it didn't continue in an employment standpoint. Yes, but I, I the other part I'm thinking about the two I you know who's who's really amazing at this is my wife Bonnie. 
when she, I was thinking about what you said of like this being an ongoing process. When she hires someone to be part of her team, she's really intentional about having conversations about strengths up front and even doing Strengths Finder with people. And that is an ongoing process throughout their relationship. And so part of what I'm hearing you say here is from the employee standpoint of if you can, as you're doing a great job for the organization and hitting your goals and being a rainmaker, as we've talked about on the show before, if you can start to integrate those conversations about strengths and about the talents you have and about the things you want to do into regular conversations, that's that's big. And then from a leadership standpoint, if you're the person who's engaging others of starting to have those conversations as well to move beyond just the conversation about skills and start diving into some of the things around strengths and to surface those conversations so that you don't have a situation come up as likely where someone does drop that bomb on you, you know, a year and a half in or two years into a role like, like happened in your situation. Absolutely. And give you an example. We at my organization at Happened to Your Career, we, with every person on our team, we have that regular conversation at a minimum quarterly. And I'm not talking about like a quarterly review or anything else along those lines. It's a whole different discussion for a whole different day. However, I, you know, one of the one of the pieces of that ongoing conversation is what are you doing currently that you want to do more of and lean into even more as it relates to your strengths. That's one of the things that I ask every member of the team or you know their boss is asking uh, their direct reports. And then also, what are you currently doing that you would want to change? And we've since changed that question a little bit to say, you know, if you could, if you could design your perfect role, what would that look like? And that's another variation of that question. But even here's the thing that I've I've found. You know, we do that, and there might be other great organizations and great leaders that also are driving that type of process. We feel a high obligation to walk the walk and not just talk the talk at half your career. But even if your organization is not doing that or whoever you work with or report to is not doing that, you can drive that on your own. And you can ask those same type of questions for yourself and you can bring your leader or whoever those vested decision makers are that would that would help be a part of that solution into that conversation on an ongoing basis. And I really like to bring that into the conversation on at least a monthly basis and to be able to track and show evidence around, hey, I, I for the last month have been really like here's an example. You know, for the last month, I've been really focused in this particular project where I have been able to utilize some of my signature strengths around connecting concepts in in completely different ways. And for me, back in HR leadership, that was observing different types of trends as it relates to turnover and also the impacts of, of hiring. And that was super fun for me. A lot of people are going to be like, are you serious? That's <laughs> way too nerdy. But that's something that I love to do because I love making the con- connections between the data and then looking into the future and saying, okay, well, that means that we're going to need to hire this many people at this particular time. And I would keep my boss uh, apprised of that and say, hey, you know, this is a project I've taken on on my own. And this is an area that I'm having a ton of fun with. It's also, guess what? Saved us 
$37,000 just last month alone because we had better predictability about who to bring on when and we were able to avoid you know, some of the some of the downtime costs associated with that. Uh, smart. And smart. Yeah. So that was an ongoing conversation. And then when I came back and said, hey, I would love to do more of this. I want to take on more of these types of projects. I would love to shift more of my role into this type of thing because clearly it's having an impact on the organization. Then you know, my bosses and those people who had vested interest at that point in time were very willing to listen because I was already, it was already a proven track record, if you will. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you mentioned this because I know there are folks in our community who do run into this where for any number of reasons, there's not a lot of conversation or openness about you know matching up to strengths and career changes and restructuring roles and all that. And yet, we all can do what you just described, which is leave breadcrumbs, right? <laughs> so yes. even if there's not an explicit conversation happening, that we need to connect the dots for people. Like People aren't going to connect the dots themselves in most situations. If we can help them connect dots, like, here's what I've been doing. Here's how that matches with my strengths. Oh, by the way, and the other piece I love is that you tied it to the business results, right? How does this support the business results we've had on this project that matter to the numbers, that matter to whoever stakeholder that is? And pulling those together. And I, I've my experience has been that watching people who do that well, who are able to leave breadcrumbs and connect the dots and not assume that any other stakeholder is going to take the time to do that, they are able to lay a path that often takes them in some really cool directions. Yeah, absolutely. I was just for our podcast, the, the Happy to Your Career podcast, we recently had brought on a couple of the executive team from Philips, Philips organization, which until then, I didn't know as much about that organization. But I was talking to their chief human resource officer. And one of the things that stood out to me as I was talking to him a little bit about his career was most of it was not in HR at all. Most of it was operations focused. But part of the reason he made such a drastic shift from spending so much time in other areas, other sections of the organization was because he was very focused on leaning into his strengths. And some of those areas that worked incredibly well with observations around people, how to communicate organizationally, just very much fit with HR and especially HR leadership for the organization. And if he had not been intentionally paying attention to that, he would not have ended up in a role that was so well-suited for him over the course of time. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was really cool to see that in reverse because he's, I think he said he's like 35 years into his career, something along those lines. And it's always easy to see looking back. However, it's much more difficult to be able to piece that together and design that like we're talking about going forward. And I just thought he was a great example of how to do that because he was paying attention and because he was making those little tweaks and little intentional changes and pivots in direction over the course of time. And as he had continual feedback saying, hey, this is something that's great for me, he would lean into that more and more and more and more. 
which is just a perfect reminder of that this is never done, right? As far along as we get in our careers, whatever successes we've had, we should be continually asking this question. And and even if no one else is pushing us or or challenging us, that it's really incumbent upon us to drive our careers and ask this the questions and you know, there may be sometimes that people come alongside us either in a professional relationship or as a coach or or a great boss who really does a lot of this with us. But there's also, it seems like just about every person I run into, like there's huge chunks of their career, sometimes even years, where there wasn't that person or that resource for whatever reason. And yeah. and the people who did that for themselves a bit have really done some some cool things going forward. And it's it's just a great reminder, Scott, to not stop is just to keep that process moving forward in whatever way you can for yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the one thing that I would add to that is, I heard you say it's it's an ongoing process. It's really never done as it relates to your strengths too. We get the pleasure of working with some pretty highly self-aware people. And every single time we work with them, we get the opportunity to dive even deeper than what they knew was possible into their strengths and into the application of those strengths. And I've yet to meet anybody that is a finished product in that way, where they're like, okay, I've learned all there is to know about myself as it relates to my strengths. You know, I've been deeply studying this for about 15 years now because I'm, I'm fascinated by it. And I have yet to meet that person, no matter where they are, no matter what they're doing, it is, it is ongoing. So yeah, I, I love the way that you're, you're talking about that and the lens to look at this through. Well, in case in point, you and I had a conversation earlier this week about you coaching me on some new things and how I'm leveraging my strengths in our, in our business and in running oh, yeah. coaching for leaders. And there's a whole bunch of things like as much as I've learned about this, over the years and strengths and thinking about careers, a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't see that like in retrospect, like, oh yeah, I should have, that should have been obvious, but it's so easy for us to miss if there's, there's not someone else there that's kind of helping us to go through that process. We're not continually challenging ourselves to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The thing that always brings me back to it when I sometimes you know, on a day-to-day basis forget about some of these pieces is that I always go back to what are those people, those happy high achievers that we started out this conversation doing? And those happy high achievers, those people that are very much enamored with their work on a, on a day-to-day basis, doesn't mean everything's perfect for them, but it means that if you were to talk to them at any given hour on any given day, most of the time, they are from a high level enjoying what they're getting to spend their time on even if they're very challenged by it, even if there's all of these other things in place. And I find that those people are never focused on improving their weaknesses. They're looking at how can I leverage my strengths in order to work through those things that I'm not great at. So sometimes that means hiring other people and recognizing where they're just not ever going to be great and then spending more of their time in those areas that they can contribute the absolute best. Sometimes that means literally saying no when it's hard to things that you are you know, mediocre at, or even some things that you're great at, but not 
really falling into you, what are your signature strengths? And, and sometimes those are hard decisions, but every single time they're not pursuing the marginal improvement of their weaknesses. Instead, they're focusing so much more of their time and energy on those signature strengths areas. Huge distinction. So this is great. And you have a resource that'd be really helpful for folks. And I know that as folks are listening, one of the things people are probably thinking is like, okay, I need to do a little more of this for myself. Where do I start? And you've got a pretty good guide for folks who want to just get started on their own of thinking about using your strengths in their career. Tell us about the resource, how we can and how we can grab it. Yeah, absolutely. The one that you're referring to is our guide on getting hired for using your strengths. And it's it's a great guide. It's a great primer in thinking about this completely differently and making some actual foundational level applied moves to make this a reality in your world and wherever you happen to sit right now. And you can actually get that in in a guide form over at hiredforstrengths.com. And it just does a really great job of taking actual examples for how to do this and then showing you and turning some of it into a more step-by-step process so that you can get started. Is it going to solve all your problems and you know do your dishes and make sure that you get every place on time? No, probably <laughs> not. But it is going to do a fantastic job helping you get started and thinking about this completely differently and beginning to apply your strengths in a, in a different way. Excellent. We'll have that linked up in this week's weekly guide and in the show notes as well. Scott Anthony Barlow is the founder of Happen to Your Career. Scott, always a pleasure. Here's a few other conversations that will also help you to design the career that really leads with your signature strengths. I would recommend also episode 259. Scott was on that episode as well, and we talked about how to figure out your career at a high level, where to begin the process logistically. If you are asking those questions of what does the next step look like, uh, Scott and I talked in detail about how to put in some of those key tent poles in order to begin that process. It's a great complement to today's conversation and one that'll be useful to you if this was helpful. Again, that's episode 259. I'd also recommend episode 293, How Teams Use StrengthsFinder Results with my guest, Lisa Cummings. Lisa is one of the top experts on utilizing StrengthsFinder and also how to really leverage your core strengths and talents in order to align well with your career and also to help your team to perform more effectively. We talked in detail about StrengthsFinder on that episode. We also talked about how to take the results from the assessment and to take the language and actually apply it practically. It's a really helpful starting point and, of course, a complement to this conversation since we mentioned so much about the StrengthsFinder tool and how you can utilize that in order to help illuminate some of the path forward for you. And then finally, I recommend episode 390, Move from Caretaker to Rainmaker. My guest was May Bush on that episode, and we talked about taking in the initiative in your career to not just take care of things, but begin to solve problems and to take initiative and to be what she calls a rainmaker. It is a absolute path forward for taking more intention in your career. And we talked through a number of practical steps almost all of us can take on a regular basis to become more 
valuable to the organization and to become more intentional on career direction. All of those you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website, and you can find in the library with your free membership. I would encourage you, if you haven't already, to set up your free membership on the coachingforleaders.com website. It'll give you the opportunity then to search the entire catalog of episodes since 2011, searchable by topic. So for example, if you're looking for more episodes on career growth, which is one of the topics that we have listed in the catalog, you will find many other episodes that will support the conversation today, plus tons more resources. And one of those resources is the weekly leadership guide. Every Wednesday, I send out a weekly guide. It has a number of things. It has a quote from the guest on this week's episode. It has uh, links to the key pieces of resources that guests have recommended. Often it has a link to the book and my highlights from the book, which is part of your free membership. Plus, I've always been looking, I'm always looking across the internet every week for the articles, other podcasts, videos, audios that'll be useful to you in your leadership development. And I curate those and put them in the weekly guide every Wednesday. So you'll find those along with a bunch of other resources. That's just one of many benefits of your free membership. If you haven't already, you're missing out. Go over to coachingforleaders.com, set up your free membership, and I'll see you next week for our next conversation on leadership. Take care, everyone. Thank you.